Oh, yeah, it's Friday. Feels like Friday feels good. It's a beautiful weather outside. Maybe you got a high school football game tonight. You got a college football game tomorrow. You got Titans football on Sunday. I'd say you're doing pretty well out there. Maybe you just, I, I said this last week, Alex Apple hanging out for Blaine today. We got to about this point of the show on Friday. I told everybody just leave. Man, just right. leave. Just get up and walk out of work. Tell them I don't feel good. Tell them I got football-itis or something like that. Just get up and get the heck out of there. <laughs> it's fine with me. I mean, I, I don't have to pay the repercussions. But, I mean, it's it's 2 o'clock. It's 2.05. Yeah. Just, just go home and get your cooler filled up. Are go, they, go I mean, these have got to be two there. or three of the least productive hours of the year, right? Oh. Everybody who's a football fan is at a fever pitch to get out there on Sunday. I'm going to that Titans, what is it, a block party tonight or something like that? I'm going with my wife. They gave season ticket was like ten dollar ticket. I don't even know what it is. Actually, okay. it sounded fun in the email that they sent out. Titans I mean, I, I'm fun. gonna you know consume as much as I can. I, I'm NBA grad, NBA CPA is a great high school football matchup this weekend. I mean, you just, there's such a good sports culture now in Tennessee. You're you're never far away from something that's really appealing. I mean, he, he, Lucas is a great example. I mean, even the soccer you know games uh, recently that we've hosted been fantastic. I'm not even a soccer guy, but we're so close to so much good athletics now. I mean, it's a different city than I grew up in, for sure. E- email from the Predators this morning. The rookies getting ready to report. It'll be Predator season before you know it. Uh, it's amazing. Nashville SC, they've been competitive from the day they were born. I mean, just right out of the jump. That's a good soccer team with a huge following in this city. And like you said, you got international games here and had an IndyCar race here and had a NASCAR race here and then your NFL football team, one of 32 in the world, is going to kick off Sunday at noon on the coast of the Cumberland, and it's going to be magical. And I, It is the most anticipated Titans season in how long? I mean, I've seen a bunch of sarcastic answers on Twitter and people going back and forth. I, 2008? It has to be. I mean, the, the offensive star power notwithstanding, I mean, the expectations for this team – are huge because of that offensive star power. But, I mean, I think that the Titans are popular in a way that, kind of like the Predators were four years ago, right? You yeah. can't go anywhere and not catch a Titans T-shirt. When You could walk through the whole city and never see a Titans jersey. When the Titans first got here, I remember calling my parents. My dad was still alive and telling them. They said, what's it like? You love NFL football. What's it like to live in a town where there's a team? And I said, it's like living in a college town. Everywhere you go, there's a flag, a bumper sticker on every car. There's a license right. plate. Everybody... McDonald's has Go Titans on their marquee. And then that all died. Like yeah. tumbleweeds are blowing through town yep. that weren't even two-tone blue. Seems like it's coming back, which I love. Okay, let's set the stage right quick. Here's where we are. Remembering the badges. Normally, it's Battle of the Badges, but this year, remembering the badges. It's the blood drive that we come to every year. We always broadcast from here. Uh, Nashville Metro Police Department, Davidson County Sheriff's Office, Nashville Fire Department, they see who can collect the most pints of blood. So you can come by, you can donate blood. Cornerstone Church in Madison, just come right into the lobby, 726 West Old Hickory Boulevard. They're trying to raise 3000 and this year, that 3000 the goal is to honor those who died on 9-11, which is unbelievable now, 20 years ago. Um, and if you've been vaccinated, you can give blood. They said let people know that because there seems to be a misconception uh, the Titans and Ascension St. Thomas making this possible today. Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. By the way, I need one of those Ford Broncos so bad. Two Rivers Ford, <laughs> they're the ones who have us those here are sweet. today. They're at 2680, 2,680 oh, pints of blood as of 2 o'clock today. So you can still get by. Help them hit the 3,000 pints, and anything you give, 
to the Red Cross. Two, two more hours. Blood Donation Center, anything donated the rest of this week will go towards that ultimate goal of 3000 All right, David po- Beauclair joined us yesterday. So Shane Bowen is the defensive coordinator. There's no question of who it is, who has the title on the door. He was on with us yesterday, and we teased this in the last segment of last hour after just joining us, like, why are you racing into this? Well, we asked David Beauclair. I said, do you think this will clear up the communication issues that we heard so much about last year? This was David Beauclair from Sports Illustrated yesterday on Blaine and Mickey. You start with Shane Bowen, his, uh, his, his body language, his delivery when he talks to the press, every, everything he's, you know, he's more confident talking about the defense. You know, whatever, whatever the setup was, and, you know, Mike Vrabel tried to say at the end of the year, well, Shane was the coordinator. That's how it worked. You know, baloney. That's, that's not how it worked. That was, Shane, that was Mike Vrabel hoping Shane Bowen would fall on the sword for him. <clears throat> Beauclair said, and, and it was a really long bite, but the, we wanted to, to get the baloney part in there. He was adamant in saying everything is different about Shane Bowen this year when he speaks to the media. It doesn't feel like he's, and I'm paraphrasing now, but he said it doesn't feel like he's looking on his shoulder or thinking, okay, I can't really say this. Now he just he just says stuff. He just says what Shane Bowen would say, not what he thinks Mike Grable would want Shane Bowen to say. And for anybody that's ever spoke for somebody, you can understand sort of the hesitancy to not want to misspeak. It's like, well, you know, I'm sitting here, i got to talk for Mickey and say what Mickey thinks about such and such. And it's like, well, I'm not going to talk as authoritatively as if I was just telling you what I thought. You know, I do think that you can perceive that. And I saw somebody respond on Twitter today to the question of what is your biggest concern for the Titans? And he said the coaching staff. Now, I would put that in a little more detail as the coordinators, okay. But Todd Downing and Shane Bowen have to be competent. Or the, yeah. I mean, it does not matter. Unfortunately, it does not matter. If they are not good, the team will not win the Super Bowl. They have to be at least competent. That's all on Mike Verbal. I think Mike Verbal's doing a great job. I like him. I like what he's done with the franchise. And they have been consistent, and the players respond well to him. And I think that they really respect him. But you have to hit those hires. And they basically put it out there this offseason. We are keeping it in the building. We know better than you do. (laughs) That's the implication of that, right? That puts more pressure on. If he had gone out and hired Vance Joseph like Cliff Kingsbury did in the offseason, Vance Joseph has good success as a defensive coordinator, pedestrian success in Denver as a head coach, you'd have thought, okay, that guy's competent, should be a good good coordinator. They said, "Uh uh-uh. We know. We're, it's just like the Patriots. We're keeping it in-house. We know better than you know. Don't tell us that we need to hire somebody else. It's going to be just fine. We'll just get rid of the players who couldn't do what and we And it's on the players yeah. because we ran them off. Yeah. So they got the players. Now it's up to them to coach them up. A uh, couple of things. David Long mispracticed today. Mike Vrabel said David Long is out for week one. He's a depth guy, but he's a really good depth guy. And when you're chasing around a quarterback like Kyler Murray, I, I know you – He'll He'll getting, take him. him getting sucked up in play action sometimes. And he played really well against a similar quarterback, Lamar Jackson, against the Ravens. In the playoffs, yeah. especially yeah, a, a year and a half ago. Um, he's out. The other thing is this. We've been wondering who would start at right tackle. Mike Vrabel clarified that just minutes ago today. Here is Mike Vrabel. All right, he was out there consist- consistently, um, you know, and, and, and did a nice job and, and was, uh, you know, has helped us, you know, function here offensively at the end of last year and, and now through training camp. And so, you know, that's, um, that's a testament to him and obviously that unit. And, and you know, we've got guys that will be able to play in there and, 
you know, it was good to get Brew back, good to get Ty and, you know, keep working with, you know, Kendall and, and, and get uh, and get Dylan going. So that we got a lot of guys out there that are getting reps in practice, you know, stress to those guys that, you know, that's how you get better each and every day is, is by using those reps against good players. You know, there's been a lot of great players in this league that that earned uh, jobs and, and got better by, by playing out there on a show team. And, you know, that goes for, you know, defensive players as well. Well, that was a giant tease. The answer was David Quisenberry. Yeah, I don't think hear, he said it in the box. You hear that bell in the background? Yes, <laughs> I, I not, that audio was said while we were on the air. I knew it was about David Questenberry, but I didn't know that he was not mentioned. So I, I should have I should have just said David Questenberry. But I thought as sure as Surely I said, says David Questenberry, he's going to start and go David Questenberry. And and I so I just took a chance. I guessed wrong. He was talking about David Questenberry. The way he's hinted at him all week and talked about his his ability, his availability. Yesterday we were talking about this, and we've talked about it all week long. Gosh, they sure sound like it's going to be David Questenberry. So he let that be known today. By the way, David Questenberry has beaten cancer, Amazing missed two or three Amazing. entire seasons. Caught, a, caught a, a touchdown reception. You could do a movie of the week about that guy, and people yeah. would go, there's no way this is real. Like, that's how unbelievable his life story is. Well, I want to get into one other thing. We have Wes Rucker coming up next to talk a lot of balls. Wes is great. I love reading his columns. Um but before we get out of the show today, I, I, it bears to mention, the way that the Titans, we've talked a lot about the Titans defending Arizona, the way that the Titans have to attack Arizona, uh, and with all due respect to David Quisenberry, you know, the biggest thing is A.J. Brown and Julio Jones taking advantage of a defensive backfield that does not feature Malcolm Butler. Maybe you start um, Malcolm, Marco Wilson, a rookie from Florida, on one side. Maybe it's Trey Gowan, a rookie from UCF, on, on one side. Uh Arizona's defensive secondary, not good. Yeah. And that's where the Titans have to attack. And it'll be interesting to see, do they, with Julio and A.J. Brown, take a little bit of a turn. I mean, it might just be one game. But maybe this isn't Derrick Henry's 35-carry game. Maybe this is a 35-pass, 40-pass game. Uh, and that's really where they assert their advantage. The Cowboys and Buccaneers ran, I think, for a combined 112 yards. I wrote it down, 100, 108 attempted 100. passes. Oh, I thought that's what you were going to say, 108 attempted passes. Yes, and, and I think they ran for like 112 total yards. Neither team had 20 carries combined. They just threw it all over the field. That's what they thought it would take to win. <laughs> Zeke might as well have stayed on the bus. Yeah, he could have just uh, just just had a nap uh, for no more than what he got to do in the game. Not, by the way, that game was fantastic. And got everybody completely fired up. All right, if you're fired up about the Tennessee Vols, maybe you're fired up about Pittsburgh. I don't know. Maybe you live there, but we're going to talk. We're going to talk Vols. Going to talk to Johnny Majors Classic next with Wes Rucker of Two Four Seven Sports. Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, one zero four five. The Zone. Alex Apple hanging in for the Hitman on this. Beautiful Friday. My goodness, it is just gorgeous out there today. Gorgeously filled with gorgeous football. Remembering the badges, that's where we are. The annual blood drive donation. Uh, you can donate blood. Cornerstone Church in Madison. Our friends with the Nashville Metro Police Department, Davidson County Sheriff's Office, Nashville Fire Department, making that possible along with the Tennessee Titans and Ascension St. Thomas Health. We know it's a big sports weekend. But make it a big weekend to save lives. Give blood as well. You can also go by the American Red Cross Blood Donation Center located on Charlotte Avenue. They're trying to raise 3,000 pints of blood this week. So let's help them just blow that goal completely out of the water. 
Let's talk some Vols football now. I mean, it's it's high school football today. It's college football tomorrow, NFL on Sunday. I, I, I thought you were going to say the Vols look like a high school team. No. <laughs> Wes Rucker joins us now from 24-7 Sports. Uh, they didn't look like a high school team, Wes. I mean, they won by 32. Sure. Average margin of victory, 32 points. Average, I mean, sure they didn't beat the spread for all those people out there who anxiously and nervously watched the end of that game, but they won by 32. Are they ready to vault into this week's game and the Johnny Majors Classic on a high note, are they ready to beat these Pittsburgh Panthers? You know, guys, I think they have a chance to beat these guys. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, around, you know, it's, it's not a pick em game, but it's right around a pick em for a reason. You know, I think that there's a lot that we didn't learn about each of these teams last week because, to be honest, they both played really bad opposition. Tennessee played a bad bowling green team and Pitt played an even worse somehow UMass team. And so we didn't learn a lot about them. But, I mean, these two coaches know each other really well, you know, so there won't be too, too many surprises, I don't think, in this game. And I think there's some evenly, you know, matched deals here. I think that, you know, Pitt's got some advantages over Tennessee. I think Tennessee's got some advantages over Pitt. And I think it it should be a fun game. Now, if he decides turns the ball over a lot, it could get gross either way. But if both sides go out there and play, you know, somewhat a good game, it should be a really exciting game. Wes Rucker, our guest, uh, somebody just tweeted me. Mark Mariani just sent me a message and said 32 wasn't enough. Like, come on, man, that was enough. I, I think it was plenty. Hey, as a Vols fan, I'll tell you that I'm happy with any 32-point victory. It was interesting, though, Wes, because of how well Milton started throwing the ball in the first quarter. Then in the second quarter, it was like in the old days where you looked at film and it was the negative, so it was the complete opposite version of the picture. And you're like, wait, wait, what happened? You knew you had to work yeah, on a little you know, bit. There, there were a couple things that go in play there. One, I mean, he missed a couple throws. There's no question about it. But also Jalen Hyatt had a couple drives, including one on one of those drives. There was a holding penalty on one of those drives. They just kind of, you know, got to themselves a little bit there. But I think if you want to look at, you know, what Bowling Green did, Bowling Green quickly made some adjustments and said, we're only going to rush three or four guys. We're dropping everybody back in zones, and we're making you think, and we're making you look at the field, and, and we're going to take away your running lanes. It's a lot of what, honestly, what people did to Jared Garantano. You know, when you blitzed him sometimes, you know, he could hit you for some big plays. But if you sat back in a lot of these zones and you kind of confused him on your different looks pre-snap, you know, you could slow him down and and give him some pause. So they did that to Joe Milton. And Tennessee's entire passing attack sort of kind of stunted there for a while. And then the only time Bowling Green had success all day was in the second quarter. You know, they, 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 you know, got a couple first downs they were able to move the ball a little bit and do some things but you know I don't think it's a huge deal because Tennessee made the adjustments needed to in the third quarter um, but yeah I mean people are going to remember Milton missing those open throws because he missed those open throws and you know if you're doing that in SEC play it's going to come back and hurt you. Wes Alex Apple here it's great to talk with you this is a totally different test though for Tennessee this week because Pitt is going to play a ton of man as opposed to the drop eight seven drop seven zone uh, that Milton faced last week. Totally different from a quarterback's eyes perspective, uh, the ability to scan the field, you know, ability to see what is coming before him. A lot of people say that a man-to-man is a little bit easier, uh, but it's going to really challenge Tennessee's receivers. Do you think they're up to the task to help him a little bit more this week? I mean, you add Jalen Hyatt's two drops on in the second, especially the one in the second quarter, they probably don't hold the ball for 12 minutes in the second quarter, Bowling Green, that is, and, and we talk about the Vols a lot different way. But are the receivers fit to win this week against a better competition? You know, I think I think the, they have a chance to. I mean, Cedric Tillman certainly is a guy who I, I've said for sort of three or four years now, I like that kid as a player. I just always have. I think 
you know, he, he's kind of in that power forward mold that a lot of Tennessee receivers have been the past few years with your Jennings and Callaways and Palmers. He's just kind of been buried behind those guys. Well, he's worked hard. He stayed in the program, but now he's getting his chance. And I think he's a guy who can be a big playmaker for him. You know, he, he got behind Texas A&M for a big play last year. He's got great ball skills. You know, he, even when he's not open, he, he's got a chance to make a play. You know, he's just kind of tough, physical, 6'3", 220. And then the other guys can flat out run. I mean, I don't know if this is Tennessee's best receiver core in a while. I'm not going to say that at all, but it is the fastest. I can say that objectively. What? This is a very, very fast wide receiver core. And like Jimmy Callaway didn't even play last week, and they're hopeful he's able to go tomorrow. So that'll help him. Bayless Jones Jr. has been bothered with the hamstring. He should be a week healthier now. I think they can do that because, you know, Narduzzi defenses are really good. And if you don't believe me, ask Mike Vrabel. You know, that guy knows defense, and he knows Narduzzi. And, you know, Ohio State has basically, back back in the day, just sort of copied Michigan State's defense uh, to take it to the next level. And that's a really good defense. He, he's got really, really good stuff on defense. But he's at Pitt. So he doesn't have some of those same kind of athletes he had at Sparty. He doesn't really have those consistently, those SEC Big Ten level guys. You know, it's like if they're tall enough, they're probably not quite as slow. And if, you know, or they're not as fast. And if they're fast, they're not quite as tall. They're kind of those guys. So long story short, I think Tennessee can win some individual matchups for big plays in this game, but it's got to take care of business up front. If Tennessee can take care of business up front and keep that pass rush down, I think they can exploit some stuff on the back end of this defense. Wes Rucker, I guess, yeah, you mentioned that. Pitt led the nation with 97 sacks over 2019 wow. and 2020. They had five in week one alone. So when you talk about control in their front, I mean, I know Rashad Weaver's down the road right now in two-tone blue, but he always seems to find people who can chase around the quarterback. Yeah, they've had like Aaron Donald and guys in the past too. You know, I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, they've had some dudes. Pretty good there, one. You know, I mean, they – yeah, yeah, they've been able to find and develop dudes there, you know, and there's no question. Uh, and But the thing about it is, it's not just that front four. Like, his blitz packages, and people say this going into every week, you never go into any week saying, you know what would be great if we were in third and long all day. No one ever says that. <laughs> but against, against a, a Narduzzi defense, it's sort of like facing one of those Saban or Kirby Smart or those, you know, old Jeremy Pruitt Alabama defenses. You just don't want to be in third and long against them because their blitz packages are ungodly. I mean, it's they will like throw DPs stuff at the too. wall. They'll bring guys from anywhere. So if you're in third and short, third and medium, you're okay. If you're in third and long, you're in trouble. The thing I've told people all week, if Tennessee's in third and short a lot, Tennessee's winning this football game. If Tennessee's in third and long a lot, Tennessee's losing this ball game. If Tennessee's in third and middle a lot, it's a toss-up. Wes, let me ask you this. It's just one of my pet peeves. Is Trevon Flowers going to catch a punt this week? I, I bet there was at least 70 yards of hidden yardage. I, I don't know why that bothers me more than just about anything on the football field. I mean, if you got the weird Australian rules kicker. Well, it's because uh, you watched the George, uh, Dory Jackson do it every George Sunday Jackson here show. at that field. Punt. Just put a second guy back there if, if the punts are going to be that short. Uh, I mean, I guess I am asking you this in the context of, I'm looking at whether Josh Heupel makes an adjustment on that. You know, something small, but really a hidden element of the game. And I guess, you know, if he lives up to the hope of a lot of Vols fans, that's the kind of thing that cleans up uh, week after week and they continue to improve. Oh, certainly. And I'd like to say, first off, as a side note, I'd like to go back in time, find the first coach who ever intentionally designed a rugby punt, and I'd like to have a confrontation with him. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just a side note. Uh, but on yeah. top of that, you know, what's, what's difficult is specialists these days are getting really, really good. I mean, they these guys, you know, it used to be just either a kind of a boom punter or you were a rugby punter. Now you got guys who can do both. 
And if you've got one guy back there, they'll rugby punt it. If you've got two back there, they'll sky it up there, and you'll have your coverage units down there, and you'll have numbers. I mean, football coaches are getting smarter. Football specialists are getting more specialized. You've got guys who can do both. So long story short, Heupel said this week, and I remember this specifically, he said if a team mostly rugby punts and they keep doing it, he will put two guys back there. They have plans for that. Uh, but if if normally it's a guy who kind of does both, well, you, you kind of have to pick your poison your there. And, and that's that's tough because you put two guys back, then you might be in a different situation if a team's going to run a fake. I mean, there are all sorts of things that go into special teams play. And it's always been there, but now it's like really there. You know, it's like coaches – people talk all the time about how offensively coaches are spreading the field and they're doing all these different things with hybrid types and different guys. But really in special teams is where you're seeing just even more crazy stuff these days. And you got to prepare for it. I mean, and I've heard coaches say this before, if I'm playing a team during a week and they have to spend a lot of time during the week having to prepare for my special teams, that's less time they don't have to prepare for my offense and defense. So it helps everybody. So it's kind of a complicated answer there, but it's because there's not an easy answer, if that makes sense. We're prepared for Wes Rucker or 24-7 sports because we're talking to him now. What's the latest health-wise on Cooper Mays? And then what's going on with, with Tyon Evans? Because I, I know there are rumors out there, and I don't want to say anything I don't know. What, what's going on with those two guys? Well, with, with Cooper Mays, uh, it's the classic game-time decision. You know, uh, I haven't gotten an update today, um, but the last couple of days, uh, the last 48 hours, he's made a lot of progress. And, and I know uh, he's a tough kid. He comes from a great high school program in there at Knox Catholic. He, he, he's, a, he's a tough kid. He's a smart kid. He's been in the training room all week long. He's been trying to get ready, uh, and, and their hope is that he can go. Um, but it's a 12-week season, so if he can't, they're not going to push him and, and make the thing worse. So that's the latest on him, kind of game-time decision. With Tyon Evans, I mean, what I can't figure out, I know it's a COVID-related issue. Um, what I don't know is, you know, is he someone who didn't get the vac- vaccination, so he's in contact tracing, or did he actually test positive? Because if you've been vaccinated, you're only getting tested if you have symptoms. So I don't, I can't assume anything here, but the two most likely scenarios here uh, just looking at logic, are that he either got sick um, or he didn't have the vaccination and he got contact traced. Th- those are the two things, really, that, that could be the issue. And regardless, if you test a positive, uh, you got to have two positives or two negative tests in 24 hours, and then you're able to go. So they've been holding out hope that he can go, but I wouldn't count on it. Well, good opportunity for Jabari or somebody to step up on Saturday. So my big takeaway from last week was, sure, if you want to sit there and criticize the quarterback play, criticize the quarterback play. But you hired Josh Heupel, a guy who won the Heisman as a quarterback, who has great offenses, who has coached good quarterbacks and developed quarterbacks, to do exactly what it looks like the Vols need. Develop the quarterback. Get him comfortable scanning the field or to design concepts that are simple enough for him to execute. Right? Doesn't that sort of set up perfectly into Josh Heupel's wheelhouse i mean that's the thing that probably most interests me week to week right can he kind of do like kiffin did with crompton and coach the guy up yeah there's no question that that you know and and i actually let me me rephrase this i don't know if josh heifel's thinking about it this way and if he were thinking about it this way i don't think he would admit it but as someone who's looking at the program from the outside looking in uh, my take on this is The upside on Milton is absolutely ridiculous. I've been doing this a while. He is as physically gifted uh, a guy as I've seen 
kind of up close and personal in a while playing the quarterback position at, at this level. He is that that is how physically talented he is. And Tennessee's not competing for championships this, uh, this season. I don't think I'm breaking any news there, right? I don't think I'm causing any sort of a riot there. Tennessee's probably not going to be getting to Atlanta this year. And I would look at Milton as a guy who, man, if I could tap that upside, I would really, really have something. And I I get it, man. I mean, as soon as Milton got here in the summer and you heard people talking about his arm strength and his mobility and his, uh, you know, his, the way he picked up this offense quicker than they expected, it just kind of seemed like this was going to be his deal for a while. Now, if you go fast forward down to, like, the Missouri game and he's still sitting there missing open guys, okay, let's have a conversation then. Um, but I would be in absolutely no hurry whatsoever to remove a healthy Joe Milton right now because the things that he's doing, I, I honestly think, can be corrected. I mean, it's not like he's doing anything where you go, man, that's just not correctable. You know, it, it, you're talking about a couple yards difference on, on a couple of throws. You're talking about processing a little bit faster. Think about how Josh Dobbs dealt with defenses his first couple of years and then look at the way he scanned the field as a senior and got himself into the NFL. These guys develop. You know, this is an offense that fits Milton. And, and frankly, I want to see where he goes with it. I, I think it's exciting to have a guy who has this much potential. That doesn't mean he's not going to frustrate you for a while, because he might. Um, but I think the upside here, I think the juice is, juice is worth the squeeze, frankly, and I've always thought that. Well, let me hit you with one more quick question. I'm curious, do you think that the offense was vanilla last week? like intentionally vanilla? I do, um, but I also think this offense is not complicated. You know, uh, it, what they do, I mean, Tennessee, I think I read the stat, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Tennessee had like the fewest seconds per snap like of anybody in the country last year. Tennessee's offense is being run at a ridiculous pace, and the coaching, st the coaching staff offensively universally believed it was not fast enough, and they got on the team all week about it. That should tell you how crazy fast they want to go. If you want to go that fast, you can't be that complex. But the thing is, they just spread the field as wide as it can be spread. They make you declare where your numbers are, what you're going to be playing. They make a call and they go. And, and, and it's it, it's the pace that makes you uncomfortable. It, it's the things that are built into it that make it sort of uncomfortable for a defense. It's not really complex. I mean, they have trick plays and things like that. Of course they do. But in, in terms of just the way the offense is played, you know, go back and watch his offenses at Oklahoma. Go watch them at Missouri and UCF. You don't see a lot of complication there. You're just – they're on the ball. They're going fast, and that's that's what they do. So I I think they can be a little bit more complex, but, but I don't think they're going to be a lot. I think they're going to run their offense. Wes Rucker, about 30 seconds left. If they win this game, they beat Pittsburgh, which is a great test for them. I think a perfect test at this point. What does that mean for Josh Heupel? and where they are as far as rebuilding this thing? For me, it means that they have a much better chance to get to a bowl game this season. And if they get to a bowl game this season, I think that's a really good year. Uh, people will never look at that as the long-term goal at Tennessee, and they shouldn't. The long-term goal at Tennessee should be to be as good as anybody at anything. But right now, you have to be realistic. Looking at this roster, this schedule, they win this game, they can get to six or maybe even seven wins, and I think that would be a really good thing for them. Wes, great stuff, man. It's always great uh, catching up with you. People can follow you at Wes Rucker 247 or, of course, uh, Go Vols 247. Thank you, man. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Wes. No problem. Anytime, guys. Stay safe out there. Yes, sir. Wes Rucker. All right, when we come back, Doug Matthews was on with us yesterday, and I asked him about how much of the stuff with Joe Milton is you, you go, oh, yeah, I can fix that coaching-wise. How much of it is 
how much of it is that's just who he is. And then we got to talking about him not getting rid of the ball and some things like that. But some interesting interesting comments from Coach Doug Matthews. We'll replay those from yesterday. He talked about Joe Milton. We'll also call our shot because we always do that. If you want to sneak in a shot, you can call one with a 615-737-1045 on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us today and every day. Appreciate Alex Apple sitting in for Blaine. And see he's doing a little traveling. Um, appreciate the opportunity that we have had to be broadcasting from Cornerstone Church in Madison. That's because today is the yearly Battle of the Badges, although this year they've changed the name of it to Remembering the Badges, trying to raise 3,000 pints of blood with the American Red Cross in honor of those who died, gosh, it's hard to believe it's 20 years ago on 9-11. Um, Metro Nashville Police Department, Davidson County Sheriff's Office, Nashville Fire Department making this happen along with the Titans and Ascension, St. Thomas, uh, Two Rivers Ford. They're the ones who allowed us to be out here today. We appreciate everybody involved. We appreciate police and, and Sheriff's Office and the Fire Department and, and all that they do to throw themselves in harm's way for us. And then today, they all roll up their sleeves. They give blood. You can come by here today until 4 o'clock. If you can give blood, if not, hit the Red Cross Blood Donation Center on Charlotte Avenue. Everything you give the rest of this week will count towards their goal of 3,000 pints of blood. Um, Tennessee Vols tomorrow on 104.5 The Zone. By the way, Titans on Sunday on 104.5 The Zone. Coverage starts at 9 o'clock. Vols have got Pittsburgh tomorrow. Johnny Majors Classic. Lots of talk this week has been on the quarterback, Joe Milton. He was the the topic of discussion throughout the offseason. He's the topic of discussion for week one of the season. So Doug Matthews was on with us yesterday. Doug certainly knows the heartbeat of this Vols team, Alex. And I asked him, how much of this is coachable and how much of it is just is who he is? This is what Doug Matthews shared with us. I think most of it is coachable. He held the ball a little bit too long. Uh, but one of the reasons why he held the ball too long was he had, and this is going to sound a little funny, <laughs> he had too long to hold the ball. There was nobody near There was him. nobody there. It, yes. And you learn that pretty quick. When you got guys coming off the corner like this guy sitting across from me, he, he gets that helmet put in that chest a few times. He'll get rid of that ball quicker, believe me. But the other thing is he, he – uh, and I noticed this in the scrimmages in the practice I went to. He's he's not a real good touch thrower or let – me, let me rephrase that. He, he has not shown that yet. He had an opportunity to hit a couple of deep passes. Just for, quite frankly, didn't they threw him too far. Now, right. can that be coached? Absolutely. Uh, he could not have, I don't believe, there's maybe three or four really top quality quarterback coaches that are head football coaches. You know, one down at Ole Miss, certainly. One out at Texas A&M, one at Florida. Josh Heupel's one of those coaches, so he's got the best guy working for him. And Coach Heupel knows exactly what he wants. Uh, he has made it very plain that he is going to stick with Milton. That's his man. Now, can that change? Darn right it can change. But... Uh, let's see how he does against Pitt. I think we'll see a. Uh, I think we'll see a better, uh, a better uh, Joe Milton in this ball game. Better Joe Milton would be huge for the team. Yeah. Uh, one thing is that, that coach talked about was they're just going to be it, last year. Last week was comical. 
him just standing back there flat-footed well, and there's a, with no one around him. It, it, Pittsburgh is going to come after him. And there's a psychological thing of when you have that much time or in anything, if somebody said, I'll give you $20 or you can try to throw this ball in a bucket and I'll give you 60 that the human <laughs> nature a lot of times is to take 60 And he's standing there and he's pointing guys kind of around the field. The key is what I'm sure he has heard a dozen times this week is take what's given to you. Take what's right in front of you. An eight-yard gain on first down is something that you're going to have success with converting second and two, third and two every single time against Bowling Green. But, you know, if on first down you overthrow the deep ball and then you overthrow the next one and you're in third and ten, you give that lesser talented team a chance. And it's exactly what I asked Wes Rucker about in the last segment. You need Josh Heupel to coach up the one position that he should know how to coach better than anybody else. That's why he got hired. That's why he's had success as a football coach. And so let's do it. Let's give them a chance and give Joe Milton a chance. And if they don't do it, well, I don't know. That's just the ball's luck. It seems like it's cyclical. But I bet that Josh Heupel can really make some improvements given time with Joe Milton. A lot of, a lot of the Cardinals' success against the Titans on Sunday is going to be how well can the Titans contain the quarterback running the ball. It was 800 yards rushing last year. They got beat up at the end of the year. What They weren't nearly as effective. They lost. They, were three, they started 5-2, and two and they finished 3-6 and six down the stretch. So, how well can they contain the quarterback for Tennessee? If Joe Milton is back there, and, and the great Kevin Dyson says this, I love it, you can't go broke making a profit. <laughs> Dump That's it down such, for eight so yards, five yards, four yards. Yeah. Also, Joe Milton, hey, dude, run if you have to run. Yeah. If you get back there and, and, there and the rush is coming and it's hot, maybe nobody's open, run for five yards and slide your butt down. I know you're big, but you don't have to prove anything. Live to fight another down. How well he runs the ball and just how decisive he is. Because I know he's, we know he can make every throw in the book. Heck, he can make throws that aren't even throws. He can throw it over everybody. So will will he be a decisive runner when he's got the opportunity? Well, it's going to, uh, the balls are an appetizer for the main course for me on the Titans on Sunday. I can't wait to watch them play. I'll call my shot real quick. The Titans are going to win. They have a better head coach. It comes down to that. I said Cliff Kingsbury stunk earlier in the show. I stand by that. The key thing, though, Kyler Murray taking a step forward in the third year. If he looks a lot different, Arizona's going to have something to be reckoned with. He can make spectacular throws. The key is doing that more consistently and making good throws throughout the game. It doesn't matter if you make a couple of spectacular throws, just like Joe Milton, if you miss others. Kyler Murray taking a step is the one variable for the Titans. And the Vols are an appetizer. I can't wait. What a weekend of football, Mickey, staring us down the face. They're ringing the bell down there. The fire department's raising blood. I'm getting pumped up. I'm listening to 3HL on the ride home. Might even turn on Rocky Top. Lucas, you got a shot you want to call? I know we got to get out of here. I'm about to hear the Eagles playing. Not the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Eagles. What do you got for your shot? I said before the season, Tennessee would lose to Pitt. I didn't learn anything in week one that would make me change that opinion, especially the idea of Tyon Evans and Byron Young being out, supposedly their best pass rusher, ineligible for the first two games. I've got Pitt winning tomorrow in Neyland. Lucas has Pitt. I'm going to go with Alex Apple. I got the Titans. Uh, I think they win. I think they they cover, what, three points is the spread right now. I think they cover it, and I think they win because if you're the Titans, you have to win games like this. 52-and-a-half over over under. That's going to be a good high-scoring game in Nissan. Hey, enjoy football tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. We'll be back on Monday. The Hitman will be back. Thanks to Alex for sitting in. 3HL coming up next. Happy Football Friday, Saturday, Sunday, everybody. Tighten up.